0: up. This is Matt Dietz and this is Simply Explaining Insurance. This is the show where I tell you what you need to know about insurance in a way that you understand it. Because I know what you don't know about insurance and I know what you need to know. Hey, real quick, if you are in the industry and you need some help with learning how to write commercial insurance, a lot of folks are pivoting to this due to some of the disruption you may be feeling. I have a free Asset that I pulled from my master class to help you get your foot in the door on how to learn how to write workers' comp. So, if you send me a text to 208 213 8809 and you text me the word commercial, I will hook you up with some training on how to do this. All right, so today's show is a little bit different. I was asked to come on and do some training for a group of medical professionals. A nice woman named Kristen Burton found my podcast and listened to it and thought I might be of some use for her group, and her group's called Strive Coaching. And she asked me to come on and give kind of a deep dive into what people really need to know about home and auto insurance, and we hit a couple of other subjects as well. But uh, we spent um, an hour talking about not just the basics, but kind of some deep cuts on what people really need to know. We talk about what kind of deductibles is set, what's really covered, what kind of coverage do you really need, what are some of the endorsements and bells and whistles that maybe aren't commonly talked about or known but should be known. I talk about a lot of pain points that have happened in my career and how you can avoid them. So I want to thank Kristen for inviting me to come on. I think it went great and I had a lot of fun. So Kristen, thank you for the invite. I really enjoyed doing this for your for your folks. And uh, let's just get on to it. Here we go.
1: This is Matt Dietz, everyone. He's an insurance agent and basically has expertise in all things insurance. Um, he actually hosts a podcast called the Simply Explaining Insurance Podcast. And it's here to enlighten us on all things insurance policies and how to make sure that we have maximal protection. So thank you in advance for your expertise.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. So- um, so do you want me to start talking? Cause I'll just yeah, start I
1: was going to actually say, if you don't mind, can you just kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in this professional field and, and why you love it?
0: yeah, so uh, my name is matt Dietz i'm uh, I'm an eighteen year insurance agency owner. I'm with farmers. Um I live in Idaho. I hail from Chicago, Illinois originally um married twenty one years. I got two teenagers at home um and I've been doing the like I said, I've been doing this business since two thousand and four. How did I fall into this? I was tired of being an employee, to be honest with you. And I was working at a place where I kind of hit a ceiling on um what I was able to do professionally. And if I wanted to move up um in the company, I would have had to move. And I love Idaho and Boise, and I didn't want to move. So um, I took one last leap and I was like, all right, I'm going to find, I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for a career. And so my dad was like, Hey, you should look at being an insurance agency owner. And I was like, dad, I don't, I don't know if I want to be an insurance agency owner. And he said, well, if you should look at it, one of my friends is a state farm agent. It's provided him a good life and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, right. fine. So when I went through the motions and um, I interviewed with a handful of companies, I landed with farmers and um, he was right. That's a really good fit for me um, with my background and experience, um, the skill set that I, brought to this business, um, suits, suits the business really well. And so I, like, I, I like insurance a lot. I love running my own business though. It's like a puzzle that you'll never complete. There's always, every day's new, every day's different. Um, it comes with challenges with having your own employees and staffing and leadership and motivation, and then there's sales and there's marketing and then there's the customers and it's every day's every day is a blank slate, and so that's what I love about the challenge of uh, of growing is is one that I will never outgrow. So, so I love um, it.
1: Yeah, very well said. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive in um, to the the well, we have all sorts of type of insurance to talk about, but let's dive in first to homeowners insurance, if you don't mind. Um, first off, I think at the end of the day, most homeowners, especially first time homeowners don't really know what their policy covers or what to expect. So give us just a rundown. What are kind of common pitfalls that you see um, that people think maybe are covered and are not, um, or people maybe sign up for the wrong insurance, deductibles, so all sorts of stuff. What do you have for us there?
0: Yeah, so homeowner's insurance is protecting your largest asset, right? For most people, it's their house. And so, um, so a lot of people... The one thing about insurance is everybody has to have it, but you never want to use it. It's a really weird product that way, right? And so um you're encouraged and and you benefit by not using it because it can keep your rates, you know. If you file a claim, you could catch a rate increase. So like right. so we'll talk a little bit about like when should we file a claim, what's covered and what's not, and things like that. Um, and there is this misnomer where like homeowners insurance should cover should cover any sort of damage. And that's, that's not the case. And so I'm going to say there are three main things that are excluded off of almost any homeowner's policy, regardless of what company you're with. Most of the companies with farmer, state farm, American family, all all these companies, the products generally work the same. Um, The language inside of the policies are generally the same. And there are three things that are generally excluded Almost all homeowners' policies, okay. One is wear and tear, that's a big one. So if you have a roof that starts leaking because it's old, there's no coverage for that. All right, you've got to fix your roof, okay. Um, the next one is faulty installation. Okay, so if you have a contractor, can let's say a contractor comes in and puts your new garbage disposal in and you wake up in the morning and there's water all over your kitchen. Well, that's on the contractor. Okay. He, that's faulty installation. And then the third one is neglect, which which kind of is similar to wear and tear. But if you have a hole in your roof and you know about it and you don't fix it, there's going to be no coverage for that. So it's up to you as a homeowner to do your due diligence and do your best to keep your home safe. So, Replace your roof when it needs to be replaced, you know, replace the caulk around your bathtub, you know, because if mold grows because you have bad caulk, that's not going to be covered. Generally, what is covered, this is a big general, is something that happens that is sudden and unexpected, okay? Um, A pipe bursting is going to be covered, Okay. So we will cover the damage that is done by the water that leaks in your house. We're going to replace the floors and the drywall and the molding and all of that stuff. Um, And any sort of property that may be damaged. Um, Weather claims are, you know, acts of God, you know, so wind is a big one. Um, Fire. Is covered on on almost all policies. Um, Wind, fire, hail is a big one too, depending on where you live in the country. Hail can be um, an issue. Those, uh, if a tree falls on your house, like those are, um, but there needs to be an event, a singular event that causes damage. And that's generally where you're going to find coverage. So if you wake up in the morning and there's water in your basement, we don't automatically file a claim. Cause we have to determine where did the water come from? right? And that's how we determine if there's going to be coverage or not. So if it's a slow leak, that's been, that's, an, that's one of the big misnomers is slow leaks. These are the worst. So if you wake up in the, in, and you have a slow leak behind a wall that's been happening for, for months, a lot of times those are not covered. And I think that's kind of a raw deal, but it's not, it's not a burst pipe. Okay. Yeah. So, um, So slow leaks are not covered. Another one that I see once in a while is like every toilet has this wax ring underneath it. Mm -hmm. And as that slowly erodes and gets smaller and wears out. And if that starts leaking, like that's not covered either. You know, that's a slow, that's not a sudden and unexpected event. So those are the things that, and those are the toughest conversations I have with my clients is when they call and they're like, I've got water in my house. And they say, I'm determined it's a slow leak. Um, it's, it's tough for me to say there's no coverage, but, but I always walk my clients through whether we should file a claim or not, because that is a bell that you cannot unring. Okay. If you file a claim on a house and there's, it's, there's no coverage, it's determined that this, that this is not a covered claim. You're now your policy has a claim on it, whether it was paid out or not. And you may, you may have an increase in your premium next year. So it's really important to call your agent to help. Your agent will help you determine mm-hmm. whether you should file a claim or not. Because okay. uh, I never want to file a claim on a client's policy if there's not going to be coverage, because it could be detrimental right. to your pocketbook. You know, so.
1: So, who's doing the determination of like the slow leak versus this was an acute event? Like, who's deciding that?
0: Well, there's a whole process, right? So we partner up with what are called restoration companies. You may have heard of those. Those are the companies that are going to, they're going to come in under the cover at night and they're going to dry everything out, you know, serve pro service master. These are the large kind of national companies that will come and they have contracts with the insurance companies and they'll come in and set out the fans and they'll make sure everything is dry, make sure there's no mold growing and stuff like that. A lot of times they can determine, you know, where the water is coming from. Sometimes when it comes to water um, we call in a plumber. You know, and the restoration companies have relationships with contractors and things like that. If it's a roof, we're going to get a roofer on the on the roof taking a look at it. Um, we have claims adjusters that will help determine if there's coverage or not that work for the insurance companies. And they will be the ones that also will get dirty and see, like where did this water come from, how did this loss occur, and things like that.
1: Okay. Okay. So before we dive into like, when should you file a claim? If it is covered, can you first talk about how do you know what your deductible should be?
0: Yeah. Great question. So, so deductibles are essentially, what are you comfortable? How much risk are you willing to take on? That's essentially what a deductible is. So when you're talking about homeowner's insurance, and like I said earlier, homeowners insurance was designed to cover the, the Oh crap moments in your life. Okay. They're not, homeowners insurance is not there to fix, you know, the hole in your wall or the, the burn in your carpet. It's for like when the wall falls down. Okay. So it's for the big events. Um, But so for years, we set our deductible, we set our deductibles at 500 bucks, which is really comfortable. Well, The thing you have to know as a homeowner is the higher your deductible, the lower your premium is because you're taking on more risk. Okay. So I usually just run people through a scenario. So if you wake up in the morning, you go into your kitchen and there's water all over your kitchen because your ice maker line broke and it flooded your kitchen. And then you get the restoration company out there and they look at everything and they say, Hey, this is going to be, you know, 1800 bucks or something like that. Right. The question that you would ask yourself, I would have, you ask yourself is can you afford to, can you afford to pay the 1800 bucks and avoid the claim so like how much can you comfortably you know afford to self insure you know um, and so now we're setting deductibles at like 1000 2500 <laughs> even you can go to 5000 10000 yeah. you can go really high and it's going to lower it's going to lower your premium so like what are you comfortable carrying on your own so um, does that help?
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's really helpful. I do think when you first start getting into this, you have this impression that a lower deductible is always better and like maybe miss the part that there's a little bit of a trade-off and that if you can have a little bit of a higher deductible, your premiums are less. If you can, like you said, swing it financially. Um, The other thing is too, and we can talk more about this because it is kind of like detrimental in a way to file a claim, I do think you end up asking yourself, like, okay, at what point would I feel like financially, like kind of like forced, like, oh, I'll file this versus like, well, I'll just kind of suffer through and pay for it. And that, I think that's an important conversation to have too with yourself. Like, you know, if this is a $1,500 problem, am I, would I file a claim no matter what? And if the answer is no, well, then like, yeah, maybe you can have a $2,000 deductible. uh, Exactly.
0: Yeah. So if I asked you, you know, if you had $1,800 damage done to your house and I asked you, would you file a claim or not? And your answer is a hard and fast. No, like no way. I would never file a claim for less than and whatever number you say, whatever number you say, that's the deductible you should carry, you know, and I don't care if it would save you. You know, only like a hundred dollars a year in premium. If you right. know for sure that right. you'd never file a claim for less than two thousand dollars, then you should absolutely carry a two thousand dollar deductible. Cause if you carry one lower, then you're overpaying for your insurance. You're paying more to have a lower deductible on something that you would never file.
1: Really well said. Really well said. Yeah. So explain what happens when you file a claim and why you wouldn't just like file willy-nilly if you could swing it otherwise.
0: Yeah, so um so the insurance industry has gone through some changes, like, like a lot of industries over the last few years, COVID really changed things a lot. Um, insurance industries are or insurance companies are are a little more reluctant to write certain types of risks. They're charging more for certain types of risks. And um when you shop your insurance, or if you shop your insurance, whoever you're shopping with. Is going to pull a claims report. It's called a clue report. All right. And it will show all the claims that you've filed, you know, on your house over the past five years. Now, if you have two or more claims in a five-year period, there are there are preferred carriers that will not accept your risk. Okay. So there are like preferred carriers and there are non-preferred carriers. You want to be with a preferred carrier because they're cheaper. You know, the policies are excellent. They're not cheap that way. They're just less expensive. But if you have two claims in a five-year period, a lot of the preferred carriers will not accept your risk. And you have to go with a non-preferred carrier, and you're going to pay significantly more in premium. So that's why that's the other reason that we ask people to be cautious before filing a claim if it's going to be smaller, because if you have two small claims in a five-year period, you might pay double Your company might, we call it non-renew you, which means like when your policy renews, we're firing you essentially as a client. We're like, we don't want your risk anymore. Um, And then you got to go shop to another carrier and you're going to go to a non-preferred carrier and you're going to pay significantly more in premium for two years or three years until you're eligible to go back to a preferred carrier. So while you may have gotten paid out a few thousand dollars to get those things fixed, you're going to pay more in premium. So it's a math problem in my head. I'm like right. let's let's not look at this as, as a one year thing. Let's look at it like what are you gonna pay in a five year period? You know, if you file two claims, you're gonna pay a lot more. So
1: now so. does it matter if the claims aren't related to whether or not, or it's just across the board?
0: So it depends on the state you're in. So I'd I'd encourage you to call and talk to your agent. Um, for a long time, weather-related claims were not chargeable, so they wouldn't fall in that category of we would non-renew you. Okay. Um, but some things have changed. You know, now some companies are are looking at weather-related claims and and surcharging, and non-renewing and things like that. So that's something you'd want to talk to your agent about. You know, is this a, that's the language that that. That we use is this a chargeable claim? Am I going to pay more? Are you going to surcharge my premium, you know, if I file this claim? So that's a good question to kind of have in your back pocket as you're going through this process.
1: I also was recently at an event for real estate investors and an insurance expert had mentioned that sometimes now they're actually tagging it to like your social versus the property. And so, like if you have multiple claims on like maybe your primary residence or an investment property you may have difficulty insuring an investment property in like an entirely different state next year because they're like flagging all of the claims from you across the board is that true the case yeah the
0: the companies try and build a as accurate of a risk profile as they can for every buyer so like are you a good homeowner you know, so if you have a bunch of rental properties and they all have claims on them, the insurance company is going to look at you and place you in a different risk bucket, you know, so to speak. And they're like, "Well, this person has claims on every house that they have. We don't want them." You know, so yes, all that stuff can be can be tied together for sure.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's what they had mentioned. I'm like, I didn't know that. Um, and then I don't know if you uh, um, how much you're into this, but. Can you tell us just a little bit about what's going on insurance-wise in some of these coastal states? Um, In terms of homeowners insurance, they had mentioned um, California specifically, that the rates um, had been like kind of locked, so to speak, uh, believed by the governor, and that um, insurance, some carriers weren't writing California policies, and then like Florida um, obviously with recurrent hurricanes has seen a major shift too. I don't know how much you you care to comment on any of that, but I'm just curious um what your thoughts are.
0: Yeah. So the insurance industry as a whole um has been rocked by, you know, COVID started everything and then inflation kicked in. And and our rates are predicated and they are they're priced on what other things cost to fix. You know, so auto insurance, same. You know, home insurance. and So what does it cost to fix a home today versus what it costs to fix a home, you know, seven or eight years ago. So like where I live in Boise, Idaho, if if you build a a new house here, it's about a nice house could cost 250 bucks a square foot to build. So if you have a 2000 square foot house, that's a half a million dollar house. 10 years ago, Kristen, that was probably 125 bucks a square foot here. So we would insure that house for, well, 2000 times one, you know, two, it'd be half, you know, it'd be almost half. So, so when it comes to the claims and what these claims cost to, to, to repair, you know, where 10 years ago, you know, a leak might cost might have cost five thousand dollars for flooring and drywall and stuff like that, and now it's costing ten thousand dollars for the same repair. You know, um, that's why rates are increasing is because the cost of labor has gone up, the cost of materials have gone up, and um, the other thing that's really big that's happened in our country over the past ten years is catastrophic losses, which is any loss. Any singular loss that costs the insurance company more than $25 million, those have gone up almost exponentially. So, like we have entire towns that are burning down, right? I mean, look at what happened to Lahaina last year in Paradise, California. Those losses are hundred million plus dollar losses. And we're seeing those in greater frequency, unfortunately. The, the storms are bigger, the tornadoes are larger, the hurricanes are bigger, the fires are bigger. And so the insurance company's reserves have been depleted and so we have to charge more in premium. So I'm sure everybody on the call has seen increases on their insurance you know, over the past few years. Um, and it's still going to be like that for a little while. As far as California and Florida, some insurance companies have paid out so much in claims that they're not interested in writing in those states anymore. And they've pulled out completely. You know, so like four places in Florida where you can insure a home and the premiums are like $12,000 a year, you know, to insure a house and things like that, because it's gotten, it's gotten almost oppressive, you know, to, to, they can't keep the money in the bank, you know, for the claim. So there are insurance companies that are pulling it out of certain pockets of the country, and even where I am in Idaho, we have fire lines in the mountains where the wildfires are. And so, yeah, the fire lines have changed to the point where there are a lot of preferred carriers that like, we're not gonna write in the mountains anymore because we don't wanna write in Sun Valley because that might burn down and whatever. So so yeah, that's, um, that's kind of what's happening in a two minute snapshot in my
1: industry. <laughs> very interesting, very interesting. Well, maybe let's transition to auto coverage. Um, if you don't mind, can you just give us like this is obviously very simplistic for you, but the brief like rundown on kind of key categories that you should be looking at or thinking about when deciding what type of auto insurance to carry?
0: Yeah, I want to talk about two real quick things before we go to auto. There are a couple of things sure. I wanted to make sure were that are important on homeowners policies that these things get glazed over sometimes. So um there's a coverage on a homeowner policy called personal property, and it's everything that you would take with you if you moved. It's all your stuff. And generally, on most policies, it's more it's more than you need but there are certain coverages inside of personal property that have limits to their coverage. And I talk about guns and jewelry. Okay. Guns and jewelry are the two things that have limits to how much coverage you would have. So for example, depending on your policy, you might have $3,000 worth of jewelry coverage period, you know, or $3,000 worth of firearm coverage period. Now that's built into your base policy, but if you have, Jewelry or firearms that are worth more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to add that to your policy via a rider. So I've had some people just assume that all of their jewelry is covered because I have a homeowner's policy and I know there's jewelry covered. So I just wanted, that's an important thing that should be discussed. If you have, you know um, any of those items that are worth more than that amount, it's important to make sure that that stuff's covered. So yeah, um, and then there are other endorsements and bells and whistles that you can talk to your agent about that you can add on to a homeowner's policy. For example, I've got a policy I've got like an equipment breakdown rider on my policy, which will cover like the air conditioning and the furnace. And if those break down, you it's almost like a home warranty that's built into your policy, and that can be available. I it's available okay. in my policy. Um, there's a coverage called service line that's included. So like the main water line that goes into your house from the street, if that springs a leak under your lawn, Mm -hmm. your homeowner's policy will not cover it because it covers the house, you know, but if you have the service line coverage, it will pay for the excavation and repair of that line. So there are some other things you can add on to these policies. And if you have an older house, Mm -hmm you know, and even like, what if a tree root got into your water line? Like those are things that those coverages can be very inexpensive and it could be worth your, could be worth your money. It's like 60 bucks a year to add or something like that. So just, I wanted to kind of just put the icing on the cake when it came to, to, to homeowners policies. So I are
1: think those things that like you should know to ask, or are those things that your broker might be suggesting to you? Like, for example, I had never heard of the the line coming, the water line coming from the street to your house, not being covered. Um, So is like, is that something that most people know? and I just didn't know. Or is that something that hopefully someone's saying, Hey, did, are you aware of this? Do you want to add this on?
0: Most people don't know that, right? Like most people don't know that that's not covered. And if you walk out in your lawn and it's a bunch of mud and it's a bunch of slush and you're like, Oh my God this is probably, they'll assume that it's covered on their homeowner's policy because it's kind of part of their house, but it's, but it's not. And so, you know, a good agent or a good broker should, when you're purchasing a homeowner's policy, walk you through all of the endorsements. And if they don't, and if you're buying it on the phone or doing it online, um, it's totally fine for you to say, Hey, what other, we, we say endorsements, but what other you know what endorsements are available on this policy that I can add on? And like every policy has like a dozen uh, or more coverages that may not come up in the regular sales presentation. So you should ask. so okay. so you can kind of pick and choose. You should be involved in in designing your policy. So so a good agent should walk you through all the questions, but if you don't get those questions, of course, yeah, you should be like, what else you what else is in here that I should know about? Like my policy has, An option to buy, um, like a credit repair service or, um, or what do we call it? Um, you mentioned identity, identity theft. It's like built into my homeowner's policy, but you would know that if I didn't say it.
1: Right. Are there other categories of personal property that typically have limits?
0: Yeah. Like, um, so like collectibles, like coins, um, cash is any, any money is generally, you can't really insure money. Um, but like arts, okay. rugs, mm. not many people are buying furs anymore, but right. like what about my little
1: wine collection, does that count? Will that be covered?
0: That would be under personal property. I would tell you one other thing real quick and I know when we can move on to auto, but um, the best thing to do to make sure that you, that in the event of a loss that you're going to be made whole again, mm-hmm. is that you have done some form of due diligence in a like a um a home inventory because yeah. if you have a total loss on your house and you lose everything in your house like you are not going to remember what lamp was sitting on that table or what yeah. Picture was sitting on that wall. And in this day and age, it's really easy. You can really take as many pictures if you want, as you want, and just save them in a file. Um, you can walk around your house and just video every room in your house, yeah. just as something to remind you. And if there's anything that you want to make sure that you got back, let's say you love your bed or whatever, you know, make sure you know what kind of model bed you have or what kind of TV you have or a stereo system or stuff like that. Because um, that can be a trying process. And if you can just do a little bit of work on the front end, you know, the claims adjuster will do everything they can to, yeah. to make, to make you whole again.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, That's a practice we've only recently done the last few years, but it literally takes five minutes. Like once a year, I walk around the house with my iPhone and video everything, and then Good. upload it to an external hard drive. And then that goes in the fireproof safe. And it's like, done just in case yeah. the whole place burns down we can be like i swear this is what it looked like right and the if claims adjuster not-
0: will love you for it they will love you because <laughs> then you're just guessing you know no, so right? right Yeah. especially if yeah. you
1: like remodeled change things like you know things shift and improve over the years so it's nice to have a little record of it yeah
0: Okay. All right. so
1: about auto now sorry we so got for me. auto
0: auto insurance yeah so let me just walk you through an auto insurance policy and and how it works right so so the, the base of every auto insurance policy is, is you have to have liability it's a law you have to have auto, you have to have liability to drive a car right so um the state minimums in every state is different in my state the minimums are $25,000 per person $50,000 per accident and $15,000 for property damage now liability covers you if you're in an at fault accident and you hit somebody else. Okay, the liability will pay to pay any medical expenses. Right. That's for people that are hurt and it will pay to fix their car. That's what liability does, okay? Um I encourage everybody to max out your limits on your auto policy. So the most that we can write on a base auto policy in my state and in most states I believe is like 500,000 per person, $500,000 per accident. Um, And the reason that we encourage people to carry high limits is because the cost of medical is so high.
1: Yeah, I was going to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're in an accident and you send someone to the ER and you only have $25,000 worth of liability and it's a $50,000 medical bill. Right. Like the insurance company is going to be thrilled, and they're going to write their twenty five thousand dollars check and walk away. Yeah, but the rest of that bill is going to land in your mailbox. Yeah, and you got to pay the twenty five thousand dollars.
1: That's right. not and why I mean, you. That's so, that's so low. Like one ER visit, couple of cat scans. You know, two bags of normal saline, and you hit your mark, and that's it. Uh, right. That yeah. Work at all. So.
0: So so the. A nice little secret so that you can do 2550, 5100, 100, 300, 250, 500, and so on. So, a little secret that your agent may not tell you or encourage you to do is if, if you carried 100, 300 mm-hmm. on your auto insurance, which was standard for a long time, like that was enough insurance, right? You know, in the 90s, you know, or something like that. Um, To make the jump from 100, 300 to 500, 500 is nominal in cost. It might cost you three or four bucks a month. It's nothing. Okay. And that's something that I want everybody to kind of take away from this. If you're not maxing out your limits and you're at 100, 300, call your agent tomorrow and be like, I need max limits. And you won't even feel it, you know, financially, but you'll sleep better at night knowing that you've got the coverage that you need. Okay. So that's how liability works. There are a myriad of other coverages inside of a homeowner's, or excuse me, an auto policy. There's uninsured and underinsured motorists. Now, these protect you if you're hit by someone who doesn't have enough insurance. If you're hit by the 2550 guy and they max out their coverage, you can have 500, 500 of underinsured motorists in your policy, and your policy will pay the extra coverage, You know, the balance of those medical bills. Okay. Um, and then you've got uninsured motorists, which is kind of the same thing. If you get hit by someone who doesn't have insurance and like national average is like, especially depending on the state you're in, like one out of eight people don't have insurance, which is terrifying. Yeah. But, um, so you want to have those coverages. Those coverages are very inexpensive. Make sure you have them. Okay. Um, you've got medical also on, on these policies. Some states call it PIP or personal injury protection or medical. These are synonymous terms in my industry. So if you're in like a single car accident, um, you're not going to get any liability from your vehicle, from your policy because liability doesn't cover the driver. Okay. Um, and you're not going to get any uninsured and underinsured because you weren't hit by anybody else. But if you're in a single car accident, medical is going to be kind of your first line of defense if you need an x-ray or go to a chiropractor or get stitches or whatever, $5,000 is kind of the minimum there. You can go up from there. Once that money is exhausted, your health insurance will kick in after that. So you don't need to take, you don't need to carry a ton of medical, but it's good to help um, kind of get you through the first. And and that coverage is is there for you, regardless of who's at fault. So, if you're at fault or if someone else is at fault, that coverage is there for you immediately. Okay. Um, So, and then you've got coverage for your car. Okay. So, there are two you you may have heard, but there's collision and there's comprehensive. Okay. Collision is pretty self explanatory. If you run into anything with your car, it's a collision. If you hit another car, if you hit a post, if you hit a tree or whatever, that's a collision that comes with a separate deductible. You know, 500 is pretty standard, but I'd ask you the same question that I asked you on the house. Like how much are you willing to risk on your own before you file a claim on your car? You can carry a thousand, 2000, 2500 or whatever. It will lower your premium, the higher your deductible. Comprehensive, the most common comprehensive claim is a windshield replacement. I'm sure many of you have replaced windshields before. This is why a lot of people carry a $100 deductible on your comprehensive, because when shields crack, depending on where you live, you'll replace those. And it's only a hundred bucks. A lot of times if you have comprehensive, if you get a star in your window, you can get those filled for free. As long as you have comprehensive, you can go to a shop. They'll drill into it, put some resin in it. So it doesn't spread. And those are free. Comprehensive also covers theft, um, fire, fire, um, And like, if you hit an animal, that's considered a comp claim too. So those are, that's, what's covered under comp. And then there are two bells and whistles on an auto claim or on an auto policy that uh, I always talk to clients about. One is towing and roadside service. Um, It's very inexpensive. Mine is like a buck a month. I have a lot of people that are like, well, I have AAA. That's great. AAA is great. But AAA might cost 120 bucks a year. You might cost, you might pay 10 bucks a month on AAA, when you can have the same coverage, you know, for a buck a month. Now, if you love AAA, cause you get your 5% off at Denny's or wherever you're going to go when you're traveling and stuff like that, you know, then keep your AAA, you know, but, um, but if you want to save a little bit, you can just put towing roadside. And the other coverage that you can get is called rental reimbursement. And this coverage is on your auto policy. If you're involved in an at fault accident and you have to put your car in the shop this coverage will pay for a rental car for you while your car is being fixed. Okay, And that's totally optional. I actually talk a lot of my clients out of that coverage. Cause it's a little bit spendy on my policy. It might be like six bucks a month. And if you got three cars, you know, you're spending a hundred and you spend $200 a year on that coverage. And over the course of three or four years, that's not a coverage that's used a lot. You might spend $600 on premium for a coverage that you may not use. So if you save $600 in three years on that coverage and you do need to rent a car, you can rent a car out of pocket. It costs you 25 bucks a day. Okay. So um, rental reimbursement. And the only other thing I would tell you that's important on an auto policy because if you've done any upgrades to your policy, if you or to your car, maybe you got the fancy rims or you've got a lift kit or anything that's that's aftermarket, you're gonna want to tell your agent because we are covering your car as Blue Book. Well, I'll say Blue Book because that's what everybody knows. You know, we have a different book we use, but, but we usually cover it under what you would know as blue book. So if you've done all these upgrades, if you put $5,000 worth of stuff on your car and your stereo and rims or whatever, and you don't tell us about it, we're going to replace your car, um, at blue book value. Okay. So anything that you've added to your car that has increased its value, we can put that in there and we'll make sure that, that you get your car back exactly as it was, but you got to tell us. Okay, and the one thing I've seen that really cause problems is if we have anybody. This might be important um, in your field, but if you have folks that are that are handicapped and they have, you know, a, a wheelchair lift in their van, those are very expensive. And if you don't insure that prop, if you don't add that twenty thousand dollar unit to the policy, we're just going to give you a stock Dodge Caravan back. We're not going to pay for the lift. Okay, so make sure that you tell your agent. You know whatever you've done to your car. Same with camper shells, stuff like that. you got to tell us that because we don't know. Okay.
1: So speaking of rental cars, is it standard or common that your auto policy would cover you while you're driving a rental car, or is that typically like an additional rider or something else that you're adding on?
0: Yeah, that's my most common question, right, Matt? I'm going on vacation. Do I need to buy the? Because I know they're going to try and sell me something. Like, do they I have do. to buy it, right? Yeah. So if you have collision and comprehensive on your auto policy your auto policy will cover you in a rental car but it will cover you the same way as you're driving your own car you'd have to file a claim on your policy you'd have to pay your deductible and the one thing they may ding you with is something called oh if 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 the rental car company has to put the car in the shop for 10 days they can charge you for loss of rent Cause they're losing out on income. Okay. So if they lose out on $300 of income, cause that car's not on the road because you wrecked it, you could pay that. And that might not be covered on your home, on your base auto policy. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay? So it's up to you. Those, the damage with the collision damage waiver that they sell you at the rental car counter you know, if you're, you're going to be in the car for a day and it's going to be 18 bucks, I usually buy it because I don't want to go through that. I don't want to put all that stuff at risk. If something happens, if I'm in a city I'm not familiar with, and I'm going to drive around Boston for three days. I'm going to buy it. You know, Boston, I don't know if you've ever driven in Boston, but it's crazy. So, um, so it's, it's a personal choice. A lot. The other thing I would tell you too, is check with the your credit card company. They right. sometimes have great coverage for when you rent a car, they may cover, um uh, they sure. make, co- They may offer coverages for rental if you use, you know, the Capital One card or whatever you've got. So check with your credit cards too, because sometimes they offer coverage.
1: Okay. That's a really good point too. Um, you you Give a couple of pearls if you have a teenage driver in the home with auto policies.
0: Well, I would say um, you have to add them to your policy you have to like there are parents out there that will try and get away with it. And they're, cause it's expensive. Right. They're the highest risk driver in the yeah. world. Right. You know? Yeah. So like, so, so the higher your risk, the more you have to pay. Right. So I've got a 17 right. year old son, you know, and we yeah. put him on my policy and it went way up and I I knew that was coming, but, but you have, you have to put them on your policy. Okay. I would tell you to take advantage. All of these companies have, have apps now that you can put on your phone, um, that will track your driving and, um, but they offer pretty decent discounts and mine is like 25% if you have oh. a youth driver. Okay. And I have so many people that do not take advantage of this and I know what they tell me, but like, you know, they are worried about their privacy and things like that. And I, I understand that. Um, but, um, but it's an easy way to make a pretty deep cut on right. your, on your policy. Um, so we don't sell people's, you know, data to anybody else. Um, if you're a good driver and that's the other thing too, is I have a lot of people that are like, man, I only drive $3,000 or 3000 miles a year. I um, I'm retired. I just go to the grocery store and back and stuff like that. Um, don't, don't I get rewarded, you know, for driving lower and there's no way there was no way of proving how many miles people were driving. We're not checking people's odometer, but now with this technology we have, we know that you only drive 3000 miles a year and we will reward you with a steeper discount. So I would encourage everybody, if they're not taking advantage of this, like you could save 10%, 20% like overnight just by onboarding one of these apps on your phone. Okay.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize that the discount would be quite that to that level um, for using something like that.
0: The only th- other thing I tell you about having a teenage driver is talk to them about what to do in the event of an accident. Yeah. It's really important. Okay. So like what happens if your kid gets in, gets in an accident, what you, they need to be prepared on what to do. So if it's on a public road, you call the police, always call the police. If it's on a public road. Okay. Take photos, make sure you exchange Insurance information. Um, We have these phones. Take pictures of the other person's insurance card. Make sure their phone numbers. I've seen people give bum phone numbers before. Here's my phone number. Like, I encourage people to dial the phone number right on the spot. Make sure their phone rings. You know, what if the person has an insurance card? We all have cards, but what if they didn't pay their premium? And what if that policy is not in force and what if they give you a bad number, you know, you might not ever see them again. So um, so when it comes, you you want to train them on what to do in the event of an accident, you know, make sure they're okay. Of course, call the police, call mom and dad, take pictures and video and get all the information that you can on the spot. Um, that's one of the most important things. you got to teach them. They don't know how to do that. You know, right. they don't know what to do. They'll panic. They'll be scared to death, you know? So you just want to make sure that they're okay. And that, um, and that they're doing what's right so the process can can be run efficiently from there.
1: Spoken like the parent of a teenage driver. <laughs> I like <Yep>. it. <laughs> well, we're running a little low on time, and I want to make sure we squeeze in umbrella policies because I don't think they get talked about enough. So can you give us the rundown on what they do and when you need one?
0: Yeah, umbrella policies are super easy to understand. Everybody's heard of them, but they may not understand exactly what they do. So, um, your auto and your home have lines of liability. We already talked about it on the auto. You can carry 500, 500 on your auto insurance. Your homeowner's policy also has liability. So, let's say you have a half million dollars on your, on your homeowner policy in case somebody was hurt on your property. Okay. Um, the umbrella policy is supplemental. Liability. That's all it is. It's backup liability in the event that you run out of liability on any of your other policies. So, if you're in a very bad car accident and the half a million dollars is not enough, you know, to pay for those medical expenses, that's what the umbrella policy is for. So, this is like when somebody's life changes, like if there's a fatality, you know, or if you hit you know, just the rip the bat and you hit a kid on a bike or something really bad happens um, and you don't have enough liability on your auto policy, you want to make sure you have an umbrella policy. So umbrella policies are very inexpensive. You can usually get a million dollars worth of, you know, liability for like $300 a year, you know, for two cars and a, and a house or something like that. So so we incur, we've sold a lot more umbrella policies over the past few years. Because, again, the cost of medical is so high. And the other thing is a lot of people have their lawyers on speed dial. And once lawyers get involved, it becomes a totally different animal. So if you're in an auto accident and it's bad and there are lawyers involved, those claim settlements go up significantly. And you want to make sure you've got you know, an umbrella policy to cover those expenses. So I like to say it, the simplest way to determine how much liability you need is like, well, what's your net worth? What is the most you would lose in something terrible? You know, so if you have, if your if your net worth is four million dollars, you know, you should carry a four million dollar umbrella. You know, to protect what's yours. Because if you do not have enough liability in force, and a settlement comes through that's like six million dollars, and you have three million dollars worth of liability, they can go after retirement funds. 529 plans, things like that, they can go after that stuff, you know. So, um, so that's why you should have an umbrella policy.
1: I like it. And also an asset production attorney, but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to mention though, I think the most common misconception around an umbrella policy is I think people think because it says like umbrella, that it's like this catch-all policy. But it doesn't actually cover anything that's not already covered by your home and auto, correct? It's just increasing the liability limit. It's not like, oh, you know, we weren't going to cover this on your homeowner's insurance, but we'll cover it under the umbrella.
0: Right. The umbrella only gets accessed if there's an underlying policy, which is your home or your auto. An umbrella policy will also attach to if you have a four-wheeler that has a policy that has liability, a boat, a snowmobile, an RV, all of those things have liability. So if you have an umbrella policy, it will it will it will add the million dollars or whatever you carry in the event that any of those policies run out of liability. So the more toys you have. Um, the umbrella policy will cover everything underneath your, you know whatever you've got that has liability. But yes, there needs to be an underlying policy first, and the liability limits need to be exhausted okay. before the umbrella can get accessed.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, the other policy you already kind of alluded to because you have it through your homeowners insurance is an identity theft policy. So <laughs> this is obviously rampant now. Um, do you typically advise people on these types of policies like separate from homeowners insurance or is there a trigger that makes you go, yeah, you probably need one?
0: I mean, they're so inexpensive these days. I think everybody should consider it. And generally what what these plans will cover for you um, is they offer like 24 seven credit monitoring, which is really important. So if if anybody tries to open up a line of credit in your name, you know, with your social security number or whatever, um, you'll get an, you'll get an alert that says, Hey, someone just opened up a Best Buy card in your name, you know, and you'd be like, well, I didn't. And so then, then you can shut that down immediately. Um, my wife actually had something on her, on her name. Someone had a mortgage in her name in another state. And we think it was this weird weird accident because they had the same, they actually did have like the same name and the same birthday. Anyway, we were lucky. It wasn't, it wasn't hurting her credit because she was paying her mortgage and stuff like that, but it was attached to my wife's credit report and things like that. So, um, you can get a free credit report um from from any of the credit companies, it's important to look at that, you know, probably annually to make sure that the revolving lines of credit are accurate, you know, to your household. If you see anything on there, you can get those removed by working through the credit companies. Um, but if you have an identity theft policy like this, you'll get these alerts. Um, and generally, what will happen is if there are other lines of credit that are opened and maybe they're um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, maybe they've they're not paying their bills on time, or you have some late payments and it's hurting your credit. The these policies will help restore your credit to where it should be. That can be a lengthy and expensive process. And this these policies will pay for you to go through that process. So so it's smart, it's smart to have.
1: Yeah. Ours is I think $15 a month. It's really inexpensive. And yeah. um, you, you can even add your kiddo to it because believe it or not, people will try to steal your kid's identity and Absolutely. open accounts under their name. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, also, while we're on the topic, you can freeze your credit, um, which is just a super easy life thing to do. You can go into the all three credit uh, <coughs> branch <laughs> unions and then um, actually freeze your credit. And so basically no lines of credit can be opened period without you unfreezing it. So that can be a little extra layer um, that you can do. Obviously, you need your credit unfrozen if you're opening new credit, but if you're not, it's an easy step. Right. Okay. Well, so we we kind of covered the big ones for W-2 employees in the last couple of minutes. Is there anything else that you see um, you know, people commonly miss or or policies that you're like, hey, we haven't talked about this yet. You might want to think about it.
0: Or like the home and auto and stuff like that.
1: You know anything that that really comes to mind. I guess most people um, have are W two employees that will be listening to this and have like a, a you know traditional employer, but maybe have a small side business, maybe have investment properties. Um, all will probably have you know home, auto, hopefully umbrella, identity theft, but. Just outside of that, is there anything that comes to mind you're like, this is a common miss I see the, or a mistake people make?
0: Yeah. I think for toys, like for four wheelers and motorcycles and like, let like say you've got some dirt bikes or some four wheelers, four wheelers or something like that. A lot of people believe that if that stuff is parked in your garage, that it's covered under your homeowner's policy in the event of a theft or a fire or something like that. Okay. And that is not true. Anything that has a motor that you can ride and that can be licensed. Okay. You can place a policy, and they're very inexpensive. Like a four wheeler policy might cost you fifteen bucks a month to have, you know, full coverage on it, um, or a small dirt bike or something like that. Um, but those are not covered on your basic homeowner's policy. Someone steals that out of your garage, that that unit or that motorcycle or four wheeler would need to have its own insurance policy. It's like a small auto policy. And that's where you would get coverage from it. So I've seen that happen before where people say, you know, this is stolen out of my garage. I want to file a homeowner's claim. And we're like, no, that's not going to be covered on your homeowner's policy because it has an engine and it, it could be licensed. And so, so we encourage people to, you know, anything that they've got that can be licensed that you slap a policy on there. If you want proper coverage for it in the event of something happening. So I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Um. I do see how often should you shop for rates?
1: Yeah, that's a a super common question.
0: Yeah. Well, as an agency owner, you know, I would tell you to always talk to your agent first, you know. Um we are here for you, you know, and any and we offer annual reviews. I would t- I would encourage everybody to review their insurance regularly. It doesn't necessarily have to be every year, but our lives change. You know, your net worth may increase. You may have added on to your house. You may have a child. You may have um You know, your house may be more expensive to replace now your insurance needs to evolve with you throughout your life. And so it's important to have reviews with your agent, you know, every, every other year, I think is a good, is a good metric. And if your insurance premiums are going up, every time I sit down and I have a review with a client and recently with the rates and the way they've been working, a lot of people come in like, Matt, my rates have gone up. Is there anything that you can do for me? Almost every time, Kristen, almost every time we can get a lot of that money back by making some small moves on their policies. So I want you to trust your agent that they can, they can make some moves on your policy that you won't feel, but it will bring, maybe you pay differently. You know, you get, uh, you get a discount if you pay in full instead of paying monthly, you know, what if you go paperless, you know, you might save 2% if you go paperless, what if you use put that app on your phone and you don't have it, it might save you 12% on your auto insurance. There's, I've almost always had success in bringing premiums down, you know, if I can get a client in front of me, but the client's gotta be willing yeah. to have the conversation. So I would say, always go to your agent first, okay. see what they can do. Um, if you're happy with them and they've given you good service and they're always available for you and they return your calls and all of that, you know um, start there and, and see what they can do for you first. And if they can make you happy, then stay with them, you know, but, um, but if you don't know your agent, you don't have a relationship with your agents, you know, maybe you bought insurance from your agent and now they're, they're no longer an agent anymore. And your policy went to another agent that you never met. You know, I think it's important to have, some baseline relationship with your insurance agent, just as long as they know you by name, you know, and that's, uh, I have two people that work for me. Like we know all of our clients. So when people call up, you're only going to talk to one of three people in my agency. And like, that makes my clients very comfortable. Like we really get to know them. So, so that when it comes to a- shopping for rates, that's,
1: that's my two cents there. Yeah. That's impressive customer service. Um, in general, and (laughs) I will say too, we, like, we know, um, our insurance agent well, and it's nice to be able to like ask a quick question or like shoot an email or do a quick phone call, um, and get a, and get a response on, you know, just like, Hey, is this covered? Um, things like that. So it is a a little bit different when you have a person that you can reference versus, um, you know, the internet or an AI chat bot or something.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Let's take the take some questions here. We already have one from Caitlin. Um, what if you have an adjuster who you don't get along with or don't agree with? They had hail damage, live on a golf course. They always said it was golf ball damage. We filed a claim after the hail and it was denied. Two denied claims cannot get one to cover due to our location. And now we're overpaying.
0: Oh, well, oh, Caitlin, that's a bummer. Um <laughs> So I would say if you're not getting... So so if you're not getting what you want from an adjuster, this happens once in a while, right? Um, as an agency owner like myself, I don't generally get involved in claims because I trust that my people in the field, my claims adjusters are taking care of my people. I have to, you know, I'm not a claims adjuster. They have a very specific job to do. They interpret the policy they look for coverage and in my mind they should be doing everything they can to make sure that you're going to be made whole again if that does not kind of congeal and you feel like they're not working for you or or that what you're being told isn't true i would encourage you to do two things one call your agent i love fighting for my clients okay so i get i we've turned claims around we've had success turning claims around in my agency um, where there has been a denied claim, and I'll get involved, and and I know how the how the contracts work, and I know the adjusters, and I can hear both sides of the story, and I've had success in making sure that some of my clients, you know, were made whole again. So you can call your agent um, and get them on your side, um, or every super, every claims adjuster has a supervisor, and so if you're not getting what you want from from your claims adjuster i just climbed the ladder like, i need to i need to talk to your boss because this is ridiculous when it comes to roof claims i have seen this before they get really they can get pretty involved where um i know my company has sent out like structural engineers you know because in something like this where they're like this is hail and your adjuster saying no these are golf balls. You know, there are structural engineers that the insurance company will hire to go and stand on the roof and be able to tell if this was hail or if this was, you know, golf ball, you know, so there are steps that you can take to move things along and there should be a way to tell. They also know, like if this was a hail storm, we have technology these days that know like when the hail came through and the path of the hail storm and all of this stuff. And if your house shows up on that path of that hailstorm, there should be enough evidence, you know, to be like, this was hail, fix my roof, you know? So sometimes you do have to, you know, poke the bear and get some help. Um, And I love turning claims around. It's one of my favorite things. So um, it helps me earn my client. They stick with me for a long time after that. So, so yeah. Is that helpful? I
1: think is still on. Yeah. Yep, she said thank you. Perfect, perfect. Any other questions tonight, guys? Our neighbors got approved, but not us. Oh. (laughs) Is it the same claims adjuster? I'm curious. Ah, different, different claims adjuster. And the neighbors got approved and not you. Yeah. yeah,
0: I want to put one thing in the chat here. This is something that that came across uh, recently that I think is just really cool, and I think it's something that that we're gonna put on our house. And let me get in. Where's my chat? Where's my chat box? Why can't I open it? Oh, there it is. So there's this device it's called um Flow by a company called Moen. You may have heard of Moen. I think they do faucets and stuff like that. I'm just going to drop this link in here. This is something you put on your main water line and it will tell you if there's a slow leak in your house, okay? Oh. And it will actually it it actually has the ability to shut off your main water line if it detects something and it will completely stop a leak, okay? Which could save you tens of thousands of dollars and things like that. So, um for those of you who have, if anybody has investment properties or they have a second home and they're not there all the time, maybe it sits vacant half the year. This is a great device to put on your home. It connects to your Wi-Fi and connects. there's an app on the phone. It will tell you it runs tests every day to make sure the water is flowing properly and nothing's leaking. It's a really neat piece of tech that um, I think could save you a lot of um a lot of money, a lot of heartache, a lot of time too. claims are a pain. Home, homeowner's claims are the worst. Like, like you got people in your house. It might take weeks for you to get back. And if you can do anything that you can, you know, to avoid something like that, like this is a great device. I don't get any money from this or anything. I just, I just think it's pretty neat. So I just wanted to put that in front of you too.
1: Oh, that's cool. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Any other questions guys? Make sure we got everything. I think we did. q and is done. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, Matt. This was really, really, really informative. I think everybody on here learned as much as I did. So I appreciate your expertise.
0: Oh, you're welcome. It was fun. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on. This is insurance is something that not everybody knows much about. And it's been kind of a soapbox thing for me doing what I do. I, I desperately want people to know how this stuff works because because it's what I do and it makes things easier when people understand how this, how this really works. And, and I think that as long as the expectations are laid out and people understand you guys can protect yourself properly um, and there are no surprises because those, those are the worst. So, oh Yeah thank you for the opportunity
1: some links in here too um so you guys can go and learn more from Matt as well this is his main website deedsagency.com and then I have the link also to simply explaining insurance which you can find on other podcast um, hosting platforms as well but there's a link there so you can go check out some episodes and and learn some more is there any other way that you would prefer people get in touch with you Matt if they want to talk to you further after this
0: You know, um, I'm going to put the link here is right to the podcast on Apple. So that's kind of, that'll get you right to your podcast app. If you guys want to, if you want to hop on that. Deets Agency is a great place. It's a good place for me to, to um, I'll drop my phone number in here too. If you guys have any questions, you can text this number or you can call if you ever need anything or have any questions. Um, I'll drop that in there too. So yeah, I'm, I'm here for you.
1: Perfect. We appreciate you so much. I will make sure that all of this information gets put um, with the recording as well. So anybody watching this after the fact, will get the same, um, get the same access to you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time.
0: You're welcome. Thanks, Kristen.
1: All right. All Have right. a good night.
0: YouTube. Well, there you go. Thank you again, Kristen, for having me on. I hope uh, that there there's a lot of really good stuff in there and I hope you can pick and choose the things that are going to help you, be covered and uh, spend your money more wisely when it comes to insurance. Hey, my name's Matt Dietz. This is Simply Explaining Insurance. If you don't know, I do another podcast called Agency Launch. It's about running an agency. So I talk about staffing and training and retention and sales and marketing if you are in the industry. And uh, the format's very similar. Almost all of them are five to 10 minutes, uh, but they're very specific. So check that out. Also, don't forget to send me a text, 208-213-8809. Send me the word commercial and I will get you a free asset on how to start writing workers' compensation. All right, there you go. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe.